Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, another episode of the AP Draft Room. Talking all things 2022 NFL Draft from a Kansas City Chiefs perspective. Your favorite writers at theairheadpride.com. Uh, I'm Ron Cop Jr., the lead analyst at the sites. With me, as always, Talon Graf and Brian Stewart, film, film analyst at the site. We've been breaking down the, uh, the draft for you all offseason so far. But it is officially combine season. We are a w- less than a week away. You guys will be listening to this on the uh, the early parts of the week. That will be combine week. Combine starts about Thursday, March 3rd this year in terms of the workouts, when we'll see workouts on the field. It's a fun time of the season for us geeks, us nerds here, uh, the draft nerds, draft geeks. Brian, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, it's combine season, man. And and uh, next weekend, I know I'm just going to be using it as an excuse to watch uh, people in their, you know, in tights and spandex running around on a field. Uh, how are you feeling about, uh, you know, being able to, to watch the combine this year? It Every year, if I'm around somebody and the combine's on, you usually get those questions. It's like, dude, why, why are you watching this right now? Uh, it's something that a lot of people don't get. And, and to be honest with you, we do – we miss out on a lot of the best things about the combine, the things yeah. that the teams get, you know, your, your medical checkups and the interviews, the one-on-one interviews. I think those things in a lot of ways are maybe the biggest benefit to it. But for us, you know, it, it's just a good tool to kind of confirm or, you know, maybe dis make, make us question some of the hypotheses we've, we've developed watching the film. And so there, there is some value in that. And, uh, I don't know. Every the combine is when you start to feel like okay, it's it's a new season. It's it's a new year of football. So yes, that way, uh, I am excited and and I will have it on at least in the background uh, as much as I can. Yeah, no, I agree. It is it is kind of that first feeling of of okay, yeah, this is we're moving forward. You know, GMs kind of first start to talk. Uh, you know, to media. You know, a lot of stuff comes out at the combine. You know, news and stuff too. So you're hundred percent right. We are missing the best parts of it. You know, one day maybe we'll find ourselves little trio at the combine you know we'll see you never know uh, never say never talent how you feeling about uh use this as an excuse next week to to not do anything <laughs> yeah man i always kind of thought that the combine in march madness warranted sick days like that <laughs> i'm just not gonna be into work um but no luckily i'm blessed now to have a nine to five that i work remote so i'm able to you know have it on the tv muted of course to, you know, if anyone's listening from work, but um, <laughs> no, in all serious, got co- to cover all the bases, right? Now. Yeah, of course. Um, but no, I'm super stoked, man. I love this time of year. It's um, for any of those, you know, the fellow pro wrestling WWE nerds out there, the, the 
Royal Rumble is the kickoff to WrestleMania. Well, the Combine is the kickoff to draft season. It's the official, like, all right, we're there. Like, it's here. We can watch film all we want, but the Combine is really, like, that's the bullet point where it's like, all right, everybody's here now. It's Everybody's got their takes. Everybody's got their evaluations. Everything gets convoluted, and that's when that's when the fun really starts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, it's it's going to be a good time. Yeah, you know, you're right. Film has, has gone into everything we know about what the draft pucks prospects right now, whether it's even senior bowl film, game film. Well, now we're going to know a lot about, you know, how fast they are compared to each other, which ones, which guys are the stronger ones, which guys are the quickest ones, you know, who looks the best throwing a ball over and over, you know, it's on air to receivers quarterback wise. It is a great time uh, real quick for the listeners. If you didn't know. So Thursday, March 3rd will be when the quarterbacks, receivers and tight ends work out. Friday, we will see the running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams work out. Saturday, we got the defensive linemen, so edge and interior defensive linemen, and linebackers will be working out Saturday. And then Sunday finishes with the defensive backs, both corners and safeties. So got a big week coming up. We are here to preview the combine from all things Chiefs perspective, but just in general, NFL draft-wise. And to do that, we had a little game, not, you know, not much of a game, actually, I, sh- I, I can't say, but uh, each, each person here, each, each one of us is going to pick out a prospect and we actually got three of them each, but pick out a prospect that we think when we look at their combine performance at the end of this, we're going to guess that that mean you know, their combine performance could skyrocket their stock in the NFL draft, or it could plummet it. One way or another, this player it has a lot riding on this combine more than others at the combine, uh, according you know with the prospects and stuff. And to make it a little fun, we're not just going to pick anyone in the top ten, top fifteen. These players we're picking, they have to be realistic uh, to to be a Chiefs pick at number thirty or later, or one of the second round picks, right? So, with all that said, let's get into some draft prospects. It's going to be a fun show because we're going to be talking about a lot of draft draft prospects, bringing up names we haven't talked about yet. And I don't think we've talked about this guy yet. Brian, I'm going to kick, you're going to kick it off for us with your first player that you're looking for. You're having a little bit of a closer eye here at the combine this week. First and foremost, we've got Tariq Woolen. Um, just started kind of my study with this player recently. He's a cornerback out of the University of Texas, San Antonio. So not, you know, a powerhouse, power five school, but he's hovering just over six foot three. 200 plus pounds, um, and, and he's long limbed. He only played cornerback for two years, uh, was a wide receiver, and so he's very raw that way. And a lot of his projection to the pro level is going to be, you know, whoever takes him, they're betting that not only is his best football in his future, but he's got a lot of room to grow because he is so new to the, uh, to the position. But what really caught me with this uh, player is, at the senior bowl, he registered the fastest recording um, for miles per hour in terms of foot speed, 22.45 miles per hour, which was uh, since they started doing that, that's the record. Um, really impressive for a player of his size. And and I think in terms of the one-on-ones and in the gameplay, he showed better patience than maybe I would have expected being kind of raw. You know, he held up pretty well in terms of keeping it leverage on the inside shoulder uh, when he was pressed. And, and you can just tell that he trusts that speed, that recovery speed where he knows, even if he gets beat a little bit off the line, he's got more than enough uh, uh, in his, in those long strides to catch up. And I think that, 
that'll be intriguing for Kansas City. We know their cornerbacks. They're tested downfield a lot. And um, so having a player like that who you know is going to be confident in those situations and, and can handle it physically, uh, which I think we'll see at the Combine when he, he puts up some really good numbers. Um, now I will say he, he doesn't really show desire to tackle, and I think that's more problematic nowadays than even it was five years ago at the corner position. But when he tests, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of good with his athletic testing, there's going to be a team who wants to take, take a chance on him day two. Yeah. And uh, it's just a matter of how high and, and who's that team going to be that, that risks it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think from a Chiefs perspective, you look at you know his value when, when he's not much of a tackler. You know, maybe you, you don't value him as high as another team, maybe. And, and that's where I think, you know, the value might just be too much for the Chiefs uh, for what they're looking at. Because you're right. Speed matters in the NFL. And, man, these teams, once they see that number that he's probably going to put up, uh, they are they are definitely going to be uh, boosting his stock a little bit. But we're going to stay at cornerback with a, with a little bit of a bigger name. Um, you know, actually a great name, uh, just in general, uh, this guy, Talon. Uh, who are you looking at here? So I'm looking at Cincinnati's Kobe Bryant. Um, and the biggest thing with him is w- watching the film, the biggest holes are in the, in the tackling department. He seems to, to, to lunge and kind of dive and not really show good fundamentals in tackling, but that I think staffs will look that as, as fixable that that's not something that's going to really knock him down that much. I don't think. Um, but right now he's kind of being valued around the third round, but if he goes out and shows out that he, he has that elite athleticism and he's showed on film that he can play in zone, he can play man, he can press, um, he's got he's got the length that that you look for in press man coverage, uh, and I think some people I think he just kind of gets hidden in that Cincinnati defense is so loaded from top to bottom that there there are playmakers everywhere, especially in that secondary. He was playing with uh, Brian Cook in this in, at, at safety and Sauce Gardner at the other. You know, there's there's a lot of guys, um, but I think at the combine if he goes out and really really shows well in the drills, he's, he's fluid, he has got good hips, um, uh, shows you that that the footwork is there. I think he could shoot up possibly into the second round. I might might even put him into the first um, if, if he does well enough. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Man, he's he's a guy that had to take or you know kind of had to take the the brunt of the work when in their conference, right? No one's going to be throwing at at the other corner on that team, right? Uh, Sauce Gardner, obviously the the potential top ten, top fifteen pick in this year's draft. And what he did with it is played well enough to earn the Jim Thorpe Award, which apparently, well, it's the best you know defensive back in the country for those who don't know. But apparently, it's only the second time ever a non-power five player has won it. And so this guy has the pedigree, man. He he stepped up, like I said, you know he he had to take on a a, a huge challenge, uh, you know, taking on all the work for the most part because quarterbacks are trying to avoid his teammate, and he did a really good job with it, uh, you know. Like I said, great name, and then yeah. So any Cincinnati defense—it's kind of like the Georgia defense. Any Cincinnati defenders, bring them home, bring them here. My guy, though, I'm going to go with here is the edge rusher from University of Minnesota, Boye Mafe, and he's kind of—he's kind of someone that's his name's starting to get bigger and bigger. Um, projected around a probably you know late second, probably around that 62 number right now. But I could see him becoming a player that they may not even be able to get to with number 30. I've already actually seen some people start mocking him, you know, earlier than than number 30. And it's because of what he's going to do at the combine. This guy is someone that uh, you can almost guarantee his stock is going to skyrocket after the combine. 
he's a guy that's on Bruce Feldman's famous, you know, freaks list. He does that every pre, uh, college preseason last year. Mafe made it. And it's because one thing it's because it's vertical. Apparently is vertical. They're expecting it to be about 40 and a half inches, which is four and a half inches higher than any other defensive lineman had at the combine last season. And so that tells you that right there. Um, his 10, 10 yard split apparently is about a 1.58, which is ridiculous. Anything of a level 1.6 for, for his kind of position is just ridiculous. Apparently he can power clean 400 pounds according to Bruce Feldman. Yeah. This guy's a, a freak as an edge rusher, as, as a player, I, I do like some of the things he can do very, you know, has a lot of hand usage, you know, he's going to use those hands a lot. I, I think we talked about it with, with Christian actually on the, in the draft talk show, Rocky actually made a good point, you know, because actually Malfe someone I tweeted about and Rocky replied saying, you know, those hand, you know, the hands are cool, but did he finish towards the quarterback? Right. Uh, it, it, was he actually, you know, did that play result in anything? Because I got, you know, the quarterback actually was still able to throw a 70 yard touchdown on that on that play, actually. So it's one of those things where Malfe is probably still, you know, he's maybe not as natural in terms of being a pass rusher and like finishing towards the quarterback always, you know, uh, you know, his wins are you know, towards a quarterback, right? You're not just winning, just win. And that's something that he maybe needs to work on a little bit. Maybe he's just not as natural as some other guys in this class. But freaks-wise, athletic-wise, uh, combine-wise, his numbers are going to be insane. And he's going to end up being a guy that, that's probably going to be a have to be a pick at 30 if the Chiefs want him, or maybe, a, a uh, you know, they might even have to trade up a little bit. They really wanted him. I don't see the Chiefs trading up for, for an edge rusher necessarily, but if they really like a guy, they could. But we're going to talk about another edge rusher. Now, Brian's got another one here for us. Who did you go with for your second guy? Next up, uh, this is a player that you and, and Christian and talked about the other day on the Draft Talk pod, uh, Arnold Epikiti out of Penn State. Um, and this is kind of a situation where I would almost say for the Chiefs, at least, it would be more ideal if he doesn't just totally surprise people with great numbers at the Combine. Right. Because I really expect that we're going to look at him and say the film is better than whatever he, he does athletically at, at the combine. So um, he's a transfer from Temple. This was his first and only season at Penn State, and he put nine and a half sacks up, made a lot of plays in the backfield against the run, uh, just showed a really high football IQ and, and plays with a ton of discipline. Now where my concerns come in in terms of, you know, how's he going to perform next week? You know, he has some tightness in his hips. He, he's he got room to grow into his lower half and, and put on some weight in a good way and add some power. Um, but kind of like you were saying with Mafe, Ron, he is really, really good with the hands. Um, to, I, I saw one of the better, stronger rip moves out of him of all the edge rushers in this class. And he has enough burst to, to create some opportunities to really stress the offensive tackle outside, but then cut it back in and, and win to the inside. Um, and you want to see that because let's say he doesn't test the best. He's not going to be Boye Mafe, but he's shown you on film that he does have that requisite of athletic ability to create opportunities inside and out. You know, he doesn't just have to win up the arc or um, things like that or what have you. So, yeah, like I said, it's kind of a situation where I think, in a real ideal world, you know, he's kind of being mocked in that 30 to 45 range, 50 range. And if he doesn't have a great combine, it might knock him down closer to the chief second round pick, um, you know, in the, in the 60 area. 
And that would be a great place to pick a player like this up, I think. And and I don't know about round one because I, I don't know if that elite ceiling is necessarily there due to uh, some of that stiffness in his build. Well, and I agree. I agree with you for sure. And I think another thing too, uh, and, and another point we need to make about the combine is it's not just about the athletic testing. I think Ebiketti is a guy that you kind of can just tell he's, he's kind of is who he is now. I feel like he doesn't have a lot to grow into in terms of body size, in terms of frame. I feel like he, he kind of is, he's kind of where he's at supposed to be at least physical wise. I could be wrong on that, but that's something they can figure out at the combine. Um, and, and that's something where, you know, he's not, he's not going to be the most physically daunting dude. And that's kind of where, yeah, you don't want to take a guy like that at 30. I think you want to take the swings on, on high pro, you know, big time, you know, high profile, uh, physics, uh, you know, physic physique, I should say, uh, in the first round, second round, it's a good pick town. I'm gonna put you on the spot though. Cause I am curious. You ranked our edge rushers for us. Top 10 edge rushers, you know, earlier, earlier this, uh, this off season. We just talked about Mafe and Ebiketti, kind of both in that same range, I would say. Do you have a preference between the two right now when you're when you're looking at uh, you know who you'd rather have as a chief? I think Mafe, just in terms of the scheme fit. Um, Ebiketti, I just like him better coming off the edge and standing up. I think he's more of a TJ Watt kind of role. Um, yeah, and, and I, yeah, that's the only reason. I don't think I don't think either one of them is going to have necessarily a better career or long long-standing, but I just, in terms of scheme fit, if I had to come down to it, I would uh, definitely go with, uh, with Mafe. Wow. That's a good transition to, you picked another edge rusher. That's going to be in the same class. There is this class of edge rushers. That's not quite the top tier. Obviously we know Hutchinson, uh, you know, Thibodeau, obviously Ajabo, but there is this little tier from, you know, late first round to second round. And you're picking another guy. Who's this edge rusher that we're going to talk about here. So we've talked about him a little bit, uh, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State. He's he's a guy that really could have benefited from the senior bowl, but unfortunately he got hurt early, so he wasn't able to, to, to do much, um, if anything at all. So he really needs to go out and, and put on a good showing at the combine and show that he can, um, you know, it's not just – lower competition and you know and he's gonna get drafted somebody's you know right. i think his floor is third round if anything um you know that's a that's a drastic tumble but um i could see him slipping pretty late into the second if he doesn't go out and really do well at the combat and we've seen this before where productive players tumble because they they um they test poorly orlando brown for the chiefs he tumbled in, into the third round uh because he he really did not test well and then um, there's there's been a few other guys, but I could see um, Cameron Thomas. Since there's not a lot of tape against elite competition, there wasn't there's not a lot to go off on the Senior Bowl. If he goes out and he looks stiff, he 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 kind of looks rigid. He doesn't look like the athlete that he looks like on film. He might start tumbling down some boards. Um, so I think it's really important for him for for monetary value um, and and draft value um, that he really goes out and, and puts on a good show. Yeah, uh, you know, you watch him and just probably just because he's number 99 and probably because he's white, but he does, you know, you do kind of want to say, oh, he looks like J.J. Watt in the Mountain West, right? Kind of the J.J. So he kind of has to have that that frame, though, right? So I do think another thing they, that is important for him is see how long his arms are. How how big is his frame to play on the edge, you know, in the NFL, obviously, you know, because he is kind of a heavier edge. And, and so we'll see. You know, if he kind of has the weight, the physique, uh, you know, that the NFL is looking for. That's the cool thing about the combine and, and mock draftable.com is a great source for any draft nerds out there. But 
you know, comparing past combine performances, right? Seeing where guys are at in terms of, you know, where, you know, this guy's arm length and weight, you know, that combination is that compared to another past prospect, you can kind of compare those. That's what the NFL teams are going to be doing. So for him, it'll be important that he has kind of a, you know, an NFL level physique and, and I'm sure he will. It seems like he does. So I think that's a good one. So yeah, so Mafe, Ebiketti, Cam Thomas, all guys that are going going to yeah going to go in that late first round, uh, mid second round possibly, maybe late second round. I asked Talon about those two between those two, and and honestly, uh, you know, I'll ask you again maybe between the three. But Brian, I'm curious your thoughts. Maybe you know we you've looked at these three, all three of these, I, I think by now. Um, you have a preference between the three edge rushers we just presented here? Yeah, I'm I'm Mafe too, and it comes down to. Not just that athletic profile, which he's definitely going to be at the top of, but I watching him really appreciate the hands and and the fact that they don't really ever stop. You know, that's something you don't necessarily see a whole lot of out of draft prospects. It's okay. The tackle beat me. He beat my first move, but then what? You know, he he doesn't shut down. He has a and B. And that's something you're going to need. And, and you, when you can do that and be a freak athletically, I think that that's something you can kind of bet on, knowing that he's not just relying on being faster and stronger than the other guy. He, he's bringing some other uh, football, you know, IQ type traits to the table that could translate into becoming a really special pass rusher. So definitely Mafe at the top amongst those three for me. Can't argue with that talent though i will give you a chance maybe to to say if you'd like cam thomas over the other two at this point yeah i'm, I'm gonna lean toward thomas um, nice but nice. post combine that could that's very easily changeable yeah no that's and that's exactly why the combine is important man i mean we're gonna get these numbers and we're gonna see exact and that's the other thing these guys have been preparing for this so if they don't meet certain numbers it's it's you know, it's, it's kind of on them at, in terms of it's, this combat didn't come as a surprise. They're, they're working. They know what numbers they need to hit. They know what they need to perform at. And so it is an interesting process for these prospects here. Another guy this is probably the hot, biggest name on this list. And a guy that if you ask some people, there's no way he'll be at 30. And if you ask others, he should be at 30 or, or he has a good chance to be. That's USC's wide receiver, Drake London. Talked about him a little bit. I ranked him as the number two wide receiver in this class. Uh, a few weeks ago behind Garrett Wilson. I really like Garrett Wilson. I really do. But Drake London, I think him and Garrett Wilson are in that top tier together. But the reason he's on this list is because he is a very unique player. And it it is important to see how fast he runs, how well he does on the three-cone drills, all those kind of movement uh, you know, drills. Because he is about 6'5" about 210 and weight's going to be important even too to see what he do, you know, what weight he runs at. He's about 6'5", 210. Is that what he, that's what he played at. That's a very unique size for an NFL receiver. You know, his, his comparison you keep hearing, and the only reason you keep hearing it is because he's kind of the only example of the size really becoming an elite NFL receiver lately, I should say. And that's Mike Evans, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver. That's kind of what Drake London is, but he gives you a little more in my opinion. He, he's going to be a good contested catch player. I, I can almost guarantee it. But I do think he's going to give you a little more before the catch, you know, uh, in terms – or not. I shouldn't say before the catch, but just, you know, Short routes, you know, yak, quick, you know, he can take a bubble screen, do something with it. He can break tackles in the open field. And so all that to say, I think he's going to be a really good player. But if he doesn't run well, if he's not super fast for his size, if he's not this, 
just ridiculously, you know, fast or quick human being for his size, six five two ten, he probably will slip because NFL. I, I think NFL teams have seen that these tall receivers, these kind of they're kind of overrated. I feel, I feel like a lot of them come in the league and just do not do anything anymore. It's really about separation in today's NFL, creating separation. And that's something I think NFL teams might ding him for. He might not be creating separation like NFL teams kind of want him to. And, and I think he can overcome it. I'm confident he can. I think he's that special of a talent. But like I said, if he doesn't run well, if he doesn't put up those huge numbers this week, it, it could it could turn into one of those things where he, he is all of a sudden uh, late first, early second, instead of that top 10 talent that we all kind of thought he was at the beginning of this process. So interesting one. We'll go back to defense. So we got another corner here. This guy's been a, in a hot name too. So Brian, tell us about uh, your player here. Uh, for the final one here, I'm picking Kyler Gordon, cornerback out of Washington. Um, there's two coming out with him and Trent McDuffie, but Gordon is probably, if you just looked around at like rankings, he's been a little bit um, behind McDuffie in a lot of places. My rankings included originally. Uh, well, no, actually, I believe I had Gordon one ahead. They were right back, right by each other, and 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 when you watch him, you see a lot of the same things. But Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, those who don't know, he does some work for uh, ESPN's draft analysis and. He's put out just a couple of days ago on Twitter. He said that Kyler Gordon is expected to be the overall winner of the combine. And what that tells me is that um, I think he's going to check every box um, in terms of the tests that he does, because you watch him play and the acceleration, the long speed, the, the flexibility and the explosiveness in his jumping, it is all there. And so I don't think there's going to be any area where you're like, Oh, that's, you know, that's below um, the mean. I think everything's going to be high percentile. And one play that can just kind of use it as an example, if somebody wants to look him up, he made an interception versus Cal this year where he's running downfield. He's in the pocket, the hip pocket of the wide receiver. And he turns over his inside shoulder and does like a full jumping 180 to the sideline and high points it. And if you freeze frame it, I mean, you could confuse him for, for Julio Jones, the way that he's fully extending with his toes, tapping the, the, the green grass, really impressive stuff that you just don't see cornerbacks do ever really. And so my thing is, is if Matt Miller's right and he's going to steal the show at this combine, I think what's going to happen to his draft stock, it's going to be another Byron Jones situation from, um, I believe that's been, yeah, Maybe a couple eight. years. Yeah, yeah, a little while, but basically the combine ended and everybody was like, "Okay, Byron Jones is a first round pick," and nobody was really disputing it, even though before the combine that wasn't really the case. So I think that's what we'll say with Gordon too: is he's going to lock himself into round one, uh, come uh, just over a week from now when the combine's concluded. Yeah, I'm actually looking at your rankings now. You did have Kyler Gordon number five and McDuffie number six. So you were right there. Uh, yeah, and and you, I like how you mentioned the the one play, you know, the Julio Jones-like interception because that really is, you know, a lot of times, you know, an NFL team sees a play like that, you know, that that's what will sell them. Like, okay, he can make that play. You know, he, he, he has just showed that he can make that play. Whether or not he makes it all the time, he just made that play, and so we're going to hope that he, we can get him to make those plays all the time. So he is a hot name. Any of those Washington corners are hot names, it seems like, any year in the draft. They just put him out 
Talon, you got another guy for us here on the offensive side of the ball. Who you got? Yeah, so I went wide receiver. Um, a guy that used to play for USC, but transferred over to Tennessee for his final year, which was like, I think he played for five or six years due to the COVID year and he redshirted and stuff. But um, Bayless Jones Jr., wide receiver, he is not projected to go very high. He, he did not have a productive college career, although it was long, like I said. Um, he really just kind of put in one year this this last year. He he caught seven or eight touchdowns. He had seven or eight hundred yards receiving um, for for the Volunteers. But and then he went out at the Senior Bowl and impressed a lot of people, turned a lot of heads. And now all of a sudden, there's he's on a lot of people's radar. Um, so if he goes out and does more of that at the combine, this guy could shoot up. And the biggest knock on him is his route tree diversity. Um, but at the senior bowl in the red zone is where he really kind of put guys on skates and kind of embarrassed a few defensive backs. And um, I think that's where teams are going to see his value is, is, uh, is just his ability to, to make guys miss in those quick areas. And, and also he's a very good kicker turner. Um, he's done that kind of throughout his entire college career. And then he added punt returning uh, this past season as well. He started doing that for Tennessee and uh, excelled very well at that. So he, he has value in a lot of different areas, um, but I think at the combine, if he goes out and, and, you know, runs a good time in the 40, if he goes out and, um, shows he can run crisp routes and, and not break them off or round them off and, and stuff like that. I, I think this guy could, could start to get a little traction. Yeah, no, that's, that's a receiver class right now, man. It, there, I feel like there's a lot of guys that they're just kind of in that second, I don't want to say second tier maybe, but you know, that middle tier where. All of a sudden, you know, a, a good combine or something, they could they could come up in that 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 top tier wide receiver nowadays, man. And today's NFL is just kind of like that, where every year we're gonna have guys that you could find them anywhere, and there's gonna be guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that's just all of a sudden gonna be good players. And if you do your homework, you could draft them a little earlier, and then they would uh, a guy like Velas Jones. There you go. I like that one. We're gonna finish off here. I got my last one here. It's gonna be Florida cornerback Kyrie Elam. And he was a guy in the in the early part of the draft process, usually a first round pick. I feel like uh, that's that's slowed down a little bit. It does seem like I don't see him as much as highly ranked as he used to be. I would say in terms of mock drafting, you know, guys like Andrew Booth, I feel like get picked over him consistently from Clemson. But the thing I like about Kyrie Elam, I actually was just kind of looking at his film uh, pretty close. First of all, he, he looks like Charvarius Ward in terms of how he plays, his length, his his uh, his size kind of his thinness um but but he he uses it well in terms of you know his size and everything and but what i like about Kyrie Lim and what the combine is going to be important for obviously we talked about the 40 yard dash he is he he could be very fast he could be a guy that that could could run really well and if he does that you know we talk about speed being so important man nfl teams might might really value him all of a sudden especially with his frame his length as a cornerback played in the sec obviously so that you know that, that's always a plus for for a guy his position and so my whole point though is just that i i started to really like him as an option for the chiefs maybe it maybe in the second round potentially um i feel like he may not fall all the way to 62 so might be a situation where you could hopefully trade back a little bit may just have to take him at number 30 and which we you know the chiefs have, have not taken cornerbacks that high but he is a guy that i i could see kind of boosting his stock really at the combine because he's going to show off that length. I think teams are going to, you know, obviously the measurements and stuff are going to, is going to show that. And then he's going to put up the speed he does 
Shoot, I could even see him putting up a good three cone, honestly. I mean, maybe not, but it does seem like he moves really well for his size, and that's what I really liked about him. And another SEC corner, too, which I, 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 the combine, this is more of just, I, I watched these two guys and I wanted to kind of pair them up, but Mississippi State's Martin Emerson, too. Another guy has the frame to be a Chiefs corner, has the length, has the size for sure. I like I like what I saw from him too. He uh, you watch his Alabama game last year. He actually held up pretty well against against those Bama receivers. Not all the time, but you know at, at times. So I like those two SEC corners. Look for those guys to be Chiefs fits, and both are at the combine. And Kyrie Elam, like I said, is the guy that I am seeing that could have a big combine maybe and and kind of get out of the Chiefs' uh, ability to pick him at number thirty. But you guys watch those corners at all? Uh, any any takes on those guys? So I was going to say on the, on the Alabama part, Elam did a really nice job against uh, oh, yeah? those receivers this year. And it, that's a game where when I'm like kind of evaluating him, that's the one where I'm like, oh, th- this is going to be a really good player. Because if he can do it against John yeah. Metchley and, and Jamison Williams, then you know, what, what else are we looking for? Um, and how I would kind of describe him that, you know, there's like seven corners who I really, really like, and, and he's right there in that group. I think his floor is lower than the other guys. I think there's a, a reality out there where maybe he struggles to, to really latch on. I agree but with that. Also, yeah. There's also a reality where he's like the best corner in the class. The, the athleticism I think might be in his, in his repertoire. And we're going to see that, um, like you said, Ron, with the combine. So he's a fascinating one. Any takes on, on those guys talent? If you've seen them, Kyrie Elam or Martin Emerson, SEC corners. No, not much uh, to add than um, what you guys have have already talked about, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, I agree completely about Elam to where his, his, uh, the spectrum where really to where yeah. he's going to land as a, as an NFL cornerback is, is really kind of all over the place, but he is intriguing. I like, I like his film a lot. Emerson. I'm not too familiar with um, to be honest with you, but I do, I do. Or I am intrigued by Elam. Yeah, no, to be honest with you, I wasn't really familiar with Emerson either. Um, and then I, the site or the place I used to get my film just happened to have a game of him versus Alabama. Just, figured hey you know this will be a good and that's another thing too and brian makes a great point but if you're watching these any any player in this nfl draft watching them against the best competition is just the best way to do it you know i mean it, it you can watch you know you can watch every single snap of them against kent state or something and you know I, you're gonna get some stuff from it but you're not gonna truly get a, a great evaluate you're gonna know who he is but you're not gonna know how good he is until you're seeing him against good competition so anybody out there wanting to get into the the weeds of it like we are you know I, I it is a good tip because i think sometimes you can overthink it well you know you don't want to just watch him against the best players because that's not really fair at the same time if you're going to be a good nfl player you need to be doing some stuff against future nfl players uh, future draft picks so all that to say great discussion about all those prospects i'm gonna throw it to break here and then when we get back we're actually going to take a look at some small school guys i think this will be a fun so just give us one second we'll be right back All right, we're back here on the AP Draft Room. Thanks for staying with us. We're talking all things Combine. Just previewed a lot of prospects we're going to see at the Combine. But I wanted to take a second to highlight some smaller school guys we may or may not see at the Combine. But we may we may see them their name called on draft day. And it's always cool to, to see these small school guys because you never know. They might be the next, you know, whoever it is. Danny Woodhead was a small school guy. First guy that came to the top of my mind. Uh, 
you know, there's a ton of them. I mean, obviously, even the Chiefs have had a ton of them. But Talon, I'm let you kick it off here. You highlighted uh, maybe a couple guys, small school guys, uh, in the NFL draft process. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, Sam Houston State uh, cornerback Zion uh, McCollum. He's a he's a big dude. Um, we'll see how what his official height is at the combine. He is he's an invitee, um, so that'll be fun to watch him. But I'm expecting him to be somewhere between six three and six four. Um, around 200 pounds, think Richard Sherman type of build. And really that might even be a decent player comp for him as well. Um, he's really good around the line of scrimmage. I like his physicality. He has those long arms that you want. Um, doesn't have elite speed. He didn't, he's not that elite athlete. He's not really fluid in his transitions. Um, and if receivers can release off the line of scrimmage away from him and, and, and create separation, he's, he's kind of done. Um, and it, he, that even happened at the FCS level, but he was good enough and big enough to, to still kind of recover and undercut a lot of underthrown balls. Um, so he is a ball hawk though. He is, he does seem to be around a play uh, around the ball a lot and, and make a lot of plays. Um, so we'll see how he does the combine and in, in, in his athletic ability and stuff. But um, another guy I really wanted to t- touch on really quick was a uh, um, Northwest Missouri state guy, D2 level uh, Sam Roberts. Um, he's a defensive lineman. Um, about 6'4", 6'5", 290. Uh, he, he could probably get up to 300. Um, he's got a really good frame for that. Um, he's a local guy, Waynesville High School. Um, so, you know, and then to play college ball in, in Missouri as well. He's really developed into a really great player, and um, he's, he's won a lot of awards. He kind of he won MIAA uh, Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He won the Cliff Harris Award, which is awarded to the uh, best small school uh, defensive player of the year, which is D2 and below. Um, so he, he he's really um, gotten a lot of hardware. And uh, shout out to a couple guys, um, a couple guys I know up in Maryville who cover the guy, John Walker, uh, and then my cousin, Parker Schmitz. I want to shout him out. He actually does uh, a lot of video work for for Northwest. He's a, um, he's a cool cat. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the work he's doing. He's, he's probably going to be a lot bigger than I am one day. Um, so I'd, I'd rather shout him out now and then maybe he'll shout me out later. <laughs> Cool part about this Roberts conversation is you said, Talon, he's from Waynesville. Yeah, that's where he played his high school ball. And my first year, personally, that I coached football um, at, the, at the high school level, he was a senior and we we played against him. And I remember thinking back then and, and the conversation kind of was he, he was a ball of clay that, you know, he was going to have an opportunity to go to a school somewhere and and become something special. And that's exactly what. He's done at Northwest Missouri State, no less, which is uh, kind of a, a powerhouse at their level. Um, so it's not like, well, he's just from a small school. I mean, it's really impressive the way that he stood out um, in those games. And I wish he would have got an invite to the Senior Bowl so you could have gotten more of that that live look at how he handles playing some Power 5 type players because I think he's going to be able to do it. Um, but there's more – uh, predicting involved because he didn't get that invitation and, and didn't to the uh, combine either. I don't believe so. Uh, but yeah, I thought I would throw that in there. Yeah. Well, let's stick to it, man. Cause we got another local defensive lineman that also didn't get a invite combine, uh, combine invite, unfortunately, but uh, Brian, who's your guy? Yes. Mine is Eric Johnson. He comes out of Missouri state university. Um, been there for five years. So he, he was a red shirt senior 
about six foot four, 300 pounds. He, he can play over guards. I think he can play in a four eye on the inside shoulder of a tackle. You know, you probably give him some help in terms of um, setting an edge presence outside of him, but he can do some different things along the front and where he came in, you know, I'm a Missouri state graduate, but I did not think of this player because of that. It was actually, I was sitting there watching the senior bowl a few weeks ago and he just popped off the screen. And I said, who, who is that? You know, he had made a sack and he had knifed him the backfield a couple other times. And that's when I realized who it was and dug a little deeper. Um, what had happened was he went to the NFL PA bowl um, the week before the senior bowl stood out in such a big way that the senior bowl officials gave him a phone call while he's on the plane to go back home. And they said, Hey, you want to come down to the senior bowl and, and put in more work here. So in back-to-back weeks at these all-star games with no break, he stood out. He, he made plays amongst other draft quality competition. And it's one of the situations where he's got physical traits that you, you can't teach. He flashed some, some of those things and, and has good pass rush pitches um, that were on display in Mobile. And I don't want to say that like, you know, people, you got to understand just because you have a bunch of moves, that's not necessarily a good thing. But if you got some moves and they're good, then, yeah, that's obviously awesome. And so uh, that's some of the things he showed. And for the Chiefs, he's the type maybe you take a swing on day three and you just bet on. Um, you know, Joe Colon, the new defensive line coach, and, and adding some strength. Like most guys get stronger when they get in the NFL. You know, you, you can maybe turn him into a legitimate rotational player um, who can give that defensive line more and more depth because you, you just can't have enough. Yeah, no, I'm glad you shouted him out. Uh, you know, you, you say that you saw him at the senior bowl, he made a play. You know, that's that's how you get on the radar as a, as a defensive lineman. It actually, it's a very similar story. When Colin Saunders came out, I actually had the same uh, process where he just made one really nice play where he beats a, a guard super quick on a pass rush, and, and I think he made the sack on the play. It might have been a tackle for loss, but uh, that made me interested. I looked into it more. All of a sudden, he's my my guy going in the draft, and the Chiefs draft him. So it is just those plays, those one play, especially as a defensive lineman. Today's NFL, penetrating, winning a, a block really quickly, getting into the backfield super quickly. If you're bad at other stuff, sometimes that play, they'll take that over you being consistent and not having that play in your repertoire, obviously. So good call on that. But I wanted to highlight uh, you guys You guys went defensive lineman and a corner, I guess. So we went DB. But I'm going to highlight a safety. And, and actually looking into him more and more, he's, he's kind of a fun guy to think about late in the draft. Shout out, all, uh, first of all, shout out Robert Rimson, Florida A&M alum. Uh, Florida A&M safety Marquise Bell. Now, he did get a combine invite, um, and and I'm excited to see, you know, what his numbers are going to be, what he's going to even size out-wise, um, you know, looking at his size according to our database. He's 6'2", 205, which, you know, if, if that's true, it's a pretty good size for a safety. But the thing I stu- that stood out to me when watching him, very willing tackler and, and, and very, you know, one of those, he's going to finish a tackle, he's going to let you know about it. And I love that, right? That's a, such a good foundation to have on a guy you're taking a swing on. If he's going to be a, a solid tackler and a guy's going to have a swag about tackling and, ta- you know, and not just hitting hard, but he, he does a lot of the, you know, the lift as, you know, the lift and the wrestle, you know, the, the wrestling move at the end. Like he's a good tackler. I like it. He got blitz. Uh, you know, he blitzed a lot or they blitzed him a lot. I should say at Florida A&M, 
kind of was all over the defense. So he's a fun guy to think about, you know, maybe day three. Not sure what he, where he's going to go necessarily, but, uh, you know, on the radar enough to get a combine invite, which is always cool. So shout out Florida A&M. Like I said, shout out Robert Rimson, former AP guy. I know he was in a Florida A&M guy. So those are some guys. Uh, those are some guys, small school guys that could go in the NFL draft. We're excited to see him. You know, it's always cool to see the small school, the underdog guy uh, get a chance. And it'll be cool to see if these guys get the chance. But now, the fun part of the pod. It's, it's all been fun. We've, had, we've been having a great time. But we're going to finish it off with, a, with, with putting our knowledge to the test and seeing what you guys think. Actually, you know what? I, I think the fun part about this may be that you guys maybe get to decide who has the better results here, maybe on Twitter, a little Twitter poll or something. But we're going to do a little mock draft real quick. Just the first two picks of the, end of, of the Chiefs draft. Pick 30 and pick 62. But the fun of this is we're all going to be in the same mock draft, so the board's going to fall the same way. But we each three get to pick our pick, and we'll save it and see, you know, exactly, you know, who's who uh, gets a little bit uh, better. These this this two person, uh, this two prospect uh, get this haul, I should say. You know, who gets the better haul here? So with pick thirty, we're going to look at what the Chiefs got. You know, the the draft we we went this we did the simulation. Draft really, really hammered the receivers early. We we did not get a receiver we were thinking to to get to us. You know, the best receiver available probably was about you know probably David Bell or Mechie at number thirty, um, or Christian Watson maybe. So we had to kind of go a different direction, and so we had to go defense because I mean honestly, when you think about it, guys, uh, if the receiver is not there, I mean, what other offensive position could you really pick with the first round? I mean, offensive tackle maybe. But I don't think they're going to go offensive tackle in the first round um, unless there's a really good guy that falls. So, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, with the draft, the board, how it fell, uh, the way it did, obviously the listeners can't see exactly how it fell. But with the guys available, who did you like at 30? This is the beauty of, of watching a draft board unfold. You know, you could be upset about the receiver thing, and, and it definitely makes sense. But if there's just one guy you really, really like or love, then it's it's all good. And so um, in this situation, I'm hey, I've said before on here, I'm I'm big on D-line, big on O-line. And I think this is a chance for the Chiefs to get a cornerstone piece on the defensive line. Uh, you know, they have linebackers. They have Legereus Sneed in the, in the secondary. Um, now's their chance to add somebody with Chris Jones. And I'm going to take Boye Mafe, who we talked about earlier. You yes. talked about earlier, Ron. Uh, I'm going to bet on those athletic traits and the 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 technique that he's already showing. You marry that up, you get him with some good D-line coaches like Joe Cullen and even Brendan Daly maybe to an extent um, if he works with him. I think you're going to have a really, really good player and pass rusher for a, a really long time for the Chiefs. Yeah, we talked about him, Boye Mafe. Uh, you know, another pass rusher that was there too that we talked about was Cam Thomas. Talon, you had the chance to take those two guys, but you wanted to go another direction. Where did you go with your number 30 pick? Yeah, I went corner. I went Kyler Gordon. Um, I think I think Brian and our talk over these kind of these last few days and even especially in the podcast today has kind of put me on uh the Kyler Gordon hype train. I wanna I wanna see that. I wanna see that happen. I think, you know, if he does explode at the combine and kind of go up draft boards, um if he's sitting there at 30 and we can get an elite cornerback, I think the chiefs need an elite cornerback in that room. It's a thin room. I know there's need there and Rashad Fenton, but um, need more bodies, need more talent, you know, cornerbacks are, you know, you edge rushers and cornerbacks, you need those. 
a lot of them. Um, so yeah, give me Kyler Gordon and and I think the Chiefs get their get their CB one. You can never not have enough corners. That's why you know you hear everyone when they talk about Chiefs needs this offseason. You know, cornerbacks always brought up, even though they do have two starting caliber corners, it's actually probably one of their, you know, in terms of when you're compared to safety. I mean, you know, they need more safety help maybe than cornerback help on, on the surface of it. But you can never have enough corners. And so I love that Kyler Gordon pick. I went another direction, though. I'm having, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest. I just, I know the safety class. I know the safety class is deep. I really do. I, I can tell. I can see it. Some of the guys I've, I've seen in the mid-rounds I really like. But I keep wanting to, to take one of these top guys. And unfortunately, Talon, Daxon Hill wasn't there. We probably know who you would have taken if that was the case at number 30. He wasn't there, and I, and I would have taken him too at, at this point. But I'm going to go ahead and go Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. I, I really like what, what I saw from him in terms of how he moves at his size. You know, I'm not saying he's the fastest guy necessarily, but just quickness, his 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 foot speed, his hip fluidity when he's when he's flipping hips and coverage. I mean, all that on top of the fact that he is just a bigger body and can play in the box. So I like Jaquan Brisker. He would fit in the Chiefs defense. So we're gonna go to pick number 62 now. The simulation, the computer took a lot of good players off the board between pick 30, and pick 62. So we really had to think these through. And by the way, we thought these through a lot quicker than than you guys are hearing. Um, but Talon, tell us who you went ahead and and you okay. So if you first of all, you went Kyle Gordon, cornerback, first pick. Now with your second pick, who are you going? So I'm actually staying in the secondary, and I'm going Jalen Petrie at a Baylor. Now heading into this, I'm I'm under the assumption that Zadarius Smith is a chief. Uh, so ah, I, I love I'm, it. I'm thinking edge rusher is not as much of a need now. So let's address the secondary. Um, and, and Jalen Petrie is a kind of guy that you can kind of place all over the field. He really kind of proved that at the senior bowl, um, his versatility. And, um, so yeah, I really like Jalen Petrie as a player. So I think he would, he would be a great pick. And, and along with Gordon, you got two rookies there, but I think they're, they're going to be able to do a lot. I didn't really plan for it to go this way, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm going with, who I think is the best player on the board and took a defensive lineman, took Mafe round one. Now I'm also picking Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor, who um, I, I like what Talon said there. Let's get Zedarius Smith. Let's get Boye Mafe. And then hey. let's replace, cause, cause I have a, you know, my gut feeling right now is Tyron's gone. And, and if Tyron's gone, I'm not saying he will be, but I think he will be. Then Petrie is a, is a versatile um type of piece who isn't going to replace him but he's going to get the defensive backfield younger and and hopefully be a long-term starter so too hard to pass up there and it puts the defense in good shape in the big picture i think what about you ron yeah no that's that's a good point on petrie because he's a fun player man you watch his film he's very fun obviously all always around the line of scrimmage always blitzing off the edge um playing a lot in the slot closer to the line of scrimmage as i said uh, that Baylor defense, man, with with Dave Miranda, um, they 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 do some fun stuff. Any of those, honestly, any of those Baylor defensive backs uh, should you should keep an eye on uh, in the draft process this year. I'll shout them out real quick because I got them on a little sticky note here. Uh, safety Christian Morgan and cornerback Kalen Barnes. Also the safety JT Woods. I think any of those guys, at some point or another, uh, picking those guys, I think they could be fun picks in the NFL. But I went another direction. You guys went with the same player because he was the. 
he was the best player available. I think there's no doubt about that. If you're going BPA, I think Jalen Petrie at 62 was the case there. But you know what? I'm going to stay on defense. I went Jaquan Brisker with my first pick. I have to go edge rusher here. And you know what? Actually, a guy we talked about earlier, Arnold Ebichetti, fell here, and I could have taken him. But one guy I think that might fit a little bit more in terms of what the Chiefs typically want at defensive end, typically want an edge rusher, this high of a pick, I think they will try to, you know, do more fit than than just, you know, any sort of player. I think Myjai Sanders might fit a little more. The Cincinnati edge rusher, he fell here. Um, you know, the thing I like about him, he's very lengthy. Uh, you know, he might be too lengthy a little sometimes. He does seem a little thin to me at times. I mean, he looks thin. I mean, just watch him. Um, but I do think you can add bulk to that frame. He's about 6'5", you know, about 255 right now. You could get him up to 260 maybe. And he's just, you know, he's he's that guy that last year would have been a, a good pick uh, in the draft. I, I think he's just a veteran. He knows his stuff. He, he's played on a really good defense. I think he'd definitely be a guy that comes in right away and gives you meaningful snaps. I think he could he could play, you know, pretty good snaps right away and hopefully develop into, you know, an ever down defensive end. So that is going to do it for the AP draft room. I'll, I guess I'll recap real quick these two round mocks. And I, and I do want to see what the people think. I think we're going to get a Twitter poll out and see. Uh, we're going to we're going to compete here. We're all about competing. See which which uh, which one of these mocks the listeners love more. But uh, Brian, you went Boye Mafe, the edge rusher out of Minnesota first. And then Jalen Petrie, the, the safety out of Baylor with the second round pick. Talon, you went Kyler Gordon, Washington cornerback. And then uh, safety Jalen Petrie. Uh, in the second round there. And then I went Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State in the first round. And then also Myjai Sanders, the Cincinnati edge rusher in the second round. So look out for that on Twitter. See, uh, vote for which one you like the most. But from there, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. It's, it's been a really fun pod. We've talked a lot of draft. I hope you guys learned a little something on these draft prospects get uh, excited about the combine it's coming up this week so we'll have plenty of stuff on the site uh previewing it and reviewing it so make sure you're tuned in there make sure you're tuned into the rest of the ap podcast network my name is ron for town for brian we're signing off here so i appreciate you listening we'll catch you next time